Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of FF Plus, your spoiler-free outlet for movie reviews, entertainment recommendations, and discussion. I'm one of your hosts, Aaron, and with me, as usual, is Coles. Hello. Hey, man, it is good to see you. I love your shirt, rocking your feeling film Thank shirt. <laughs> I feel like it's like wearing lucky socks, right? It makes the conversation better somehow you feel you know you're, you're like more in tune with what you got to say if you're wearing the feeling film shirt so folks i'm not wearing my feeling film shirt so you know you can evaluate this conversation afterward as you see fit we have one film to talk about this week and so we're going to do that and then we're going to probably throw some streaming picks at you at the end but we'll get to the big hitter first and that is the newest disney live action remake slash reimagining slash whatever they call these coles i don't know the film is cruella it stars emma stone in the titular role of cruella Deville, emma thompson joel fry paul walter hauser emily beecham kirby hal baptiste and the always wonderful mark strong it is directed by craig gillespie and it is written by dana fox and tony mcnamara with a story by Aline Brosh McKenna and Kelly Marcel and Steve Zissis, and it is based upon the novel The 101 Dalmatians by Dodie Smith. What's it about? Set in the 1970s in London during the punk rock movement, the film follows Estella DeVille, an aspiring fashion designer, and explores the path that will lead her to become a notorious criminal known as Cruella DeVille. All right, Coles, I'm going to throw it to you. What did you like about Cruella? For a film where you're dealing with a character who is known on a first-name basis, like Cruella DeVille, you need an actress who is going to be able to show you dimensions, who is able to be varied in their style, and who's not beholden to just one thing. And I think it was the right choice to have Emma Stone in the leading role. She's very good in this. I I found her to actually be pretty outstanding in some parts. She's She's having a lot of fun. I could definitely tell that. And she's she's able to play this with a sense of um, childlike joy. Like, it feels like that this was a lot of fun for her to do in this role. And I'm pretty sure she had a lot of fun trying out the different costumes, which is another thing I like, which is the costume design. I think if there's one thing that's going to come out of this film, I think for Halloween, you're going to get a lot of young girls coming out here dressing like Cruella. The same thing you saw when Suicide Squad came out a few years ago, you had a lot of Harley Quinns. And... I think that Cruella is going to be a nice model for all the young girls to dress up as Halloween. The, I mean, the costumes, they pop. They're very, very well done, um, especially when it comes to Emma Thompson. She is another good part of this film. She plays like this very bougie kind of villain, like someone who is larger than life, which her character is. She's one of the top fashion designers in the country at this time, and she plays the character as bigger than itself. You know, it does go into campy aspects but i think it works out really well i mean she's evil for the sake of being evil at some point but there's also a sense of charm to her role i don't know whether it's because of emma thompson or because of the way that the character is written but emma's role has a sense of being almost like it's hard to describe but she's a villain but not a villain in the true sense of being somebody that you just despise or somebody that you hate. Like, you see that there, 
there is some kind of redemptive factors to her. And I think that comes through in the performance and not so much as the character. I do also like the time setting that this is um, set in. This is once again set during the 70s, the punk revolution in England, I would say. Yeah, you don't often see too many films that have that time era. And even though the aesthetic is not realized to its full potential, I do like that they do have the story draped in, in that era, in the time of rebellion, the time of where the old ways of thinking about things was kind of becoming outdated. And there was new and inventive ways that people were bringing to all different types of slices of life, whether it's culture, whether it's art, whether it's film, whether it's architect anything and i think that plays into cruella because cruella is almost like she's a she's a rebel <laughs> first off she's breaking down doors that you see in the opening scene of the film she wants to be a fashion designer she wants to break into the industry but she figures out that she's being pigeonholed to a certain kind of fashion and so when she is able to break out and have her own little moment where she's starting to realize or get closer to her dream then you you see where the punk rock you know, time era really comes into light. Outside of that, my dislikes are going to be more numerous than the likes, but I can tell you that there is a lot of promising aspects to this film. That's fair. You were nicer than I thought you might be. (laughs) (laughs) I was over here kind of like holding my breath, waiting for the shoe to drop for you to just like roll right into your dislikes because you couldn't hold back. Um, So I, you did really well there um, in being restrained. (laughs) So one of my likes is that you were restrained. No, um, <laughs> I I liked it more than you did overall. I think based on our letterbox feelings and the conversations we've had in the Feel and Film Facebook discussion group about it, and I would echo the things that you've said so far. Emma Stone is really really good in this role. I think without Emma Stone as this character, this movie goes down a lot. Uh, the the likelihood of it being successful and it being good enough to hold my attention would have fallen off quite a bit. I think she is able to elevate it above the material at times. Um, so I would say you're absolutely right about that. Emma Thompson, for me, is the standout of this film, though. I think she is divinely evil in this movie. I love that you said bougie. That's <laughs> one of my favorite words. I never use it, but I like it when other people say it. Um, because it does, it fits her here so well. And just as her story beats get revealed and the twists and turn comes, I really enjoyed the way her character is woven into this story and her relationship with Estella and how it develops things. And she just, again, the performance is phenomenal. I, I thought she was really, really, really good. I mean, as good or better than Glenn Close and the Devil Wears Prada. So I think it's Glenn Close, I, if I recall. Um, Watch me be wrong, and then somebody's going to come yell at me on the internet. But uh, this does have that Devil Wears uh, Prada feel to it, as well as, like, you're going to see some Phantom Thread kind of storyline beats here, and people are going to compare it to the Joker, which you and I also had a disagreement about somewhat on Facebook. I I do not think this is in any way, shape, or form comparable to the Joker. Um, But anyway, the other likes I have, uh, there are dogs in this movie. Shocker, there's dogs. But not in the way you would think. So I'm actually was really pleasantly surprised that there's no dog murder. And I'm going to put that out there because I know some people may, oh, you're spoiling. No, you know what? That's something that people need to understand, I think, going into this. Because that's a trigger for a lot of people. Just like, and I'm not comparing this in any way, shape, or form in, you know, the dastardliness of acts. But 
for many women who've experienced emotional or physical abuse, they can't watch that in a movie. There are people that can't watch animals be hurt, even if they know it's not really an animal being hurt, you know, if it's acting, so to speak. You don't have to deal with that in this film, where you may expect it because of the material. So they go in a different direction, and I really like the different direction that they chose to go in with the dogs. There is one specific dog named Wink that is maybe my favorite character in the entire movie. He provides a lot of comedy and a lot of sweetness. He is absolutely freaking adorable. Um, the way that he is used in this film is just outstanding. He is part of their heists. That's another thing I liked about this. I didn't know this was a heist movie. Benefit of, I guess, not watching the trailers for me and you is like the genre was kind of a shock to me. I, this had some heist movie, it had a car chase in it. It's like a murder mystery at times. It's like a revenge movie at times. Like there's got a secret identity going on. There's all kinds of stuff. This is like thrown in there in the blender, which is obviously not going to work for everybody. And pieces of it didn't work for me. But overall, I enjoyed those aspects of it quite a bit. I think that Estella's friends that she comes to be a part of, her gang, so to speak, Jasper and Horace, played by Joel Fry and Paul Walter Hauser, are a ton of fun. They're this sweet, silly pair of orphan thieves that take her in. And I really enjoyed the way that their relationships kind of developed over the film, as well as another character named Artie, who is a fashion designer of the era and kind of also like an outcast at the time, not really understood, but coming into his own in this punk rock revolution, who he very much is of the same mind as Estella slash Cruella in this movie. Uh, I like the way the soundtrack works. I have a feeling this is going to be in your dislikes, but there is a near constant amount of music. I made a point on Twitter of being like, I wonder how much Disney paid for licensing, Coles, because there, there, there's an hour of the two and a half hours of the movie. It's almost two and a half hours or whatever, two and two and a quarter. There's about an hour of music in this movie that is happening. Soundtrack, like like punk rock soundtrack songs. Some of the needle drops are a lot of fun. Many of them are very on the nose. I don't mind it personally because I felt like they were story specific and they were using songs of the era to match what was taking place in the action. And I just, it just worked for me. It's not going to work for everybody. I've seen people absolutely despising it online already. So it's going to be very divisive in my opinion. But um, for me, it was a like, I thought, Honestly, like the style and the flowing of the music throughout this helped keep me engaged. Despite one of my dislikes, I'm just, it's, it's very long. It's very, very long movie. Okay. It's too long. I'm just going to say it's too freaking long. And so the music helped get me through it. And whereas it might not have held my attention as well without it. Um, there's also a, a really cool story twist going on here. I think people need to understand this is not 101 Dalmatians retold. Okay, it's not just an origin story of 101 Dalmatians that, you know, it is a twist. It is a reimagining. And so the character is not going to end up in the same place that you might expect the character to end up. So the reason for why Cruella doesn't like Dalmatians, that part of this story, I enjoyed the way in which that was kind of explained and what the backstory for how that comes out. So I I, I liked it overall. I really I like the fact that when we, we get to take a day or two, Coles, because 
uh, oftentimes when I first see a movie and that initial reaction, it will change. And I like to see how I feel about it. Like, does it stay on my mind at all or does it just poof out of existence? And this is one that I have, you know, it stayed there a little bit. And I, and I realized in hindsight, I, I did enjoy my time with it. It is not phenomenal by any means. Okay. I'm not sitting here telling you like this is an Oscar worthy movie other than the costumes. Like you mentioned, they're also fantastic, but I did really like it and I enjoyed it. And I think that a lot of people are going to enjoy it. It's a soft PG 13. I got to tell you, it's pretty soft. You don't think so? Oh, wait. No, oh no. I, I thought it was honestly, I thought this film was G rated to be okay. I, before <laughs> I even saw the rate, I thought this film was G rated. Then I saw it was PG 13. I was like, where? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think maybe just in the, like there's what, what, what does they say sometimes in the um, ratings board? It'll be like for, scenes of peril <laughs> like that's the kind of you know there's a murder it's it's kind of hilariously done but like that's the i think reason for the pg-13 but yeah it's pretty tame that being said <laughs> moving into dislikes i'm just gonna start with this one and then i'll let you go it is not really a kid's film <laughs> i don't like my kids liked it but my kids are 16 and 18 years old i think teenagers t- big bigger teenagers who could potentially be in a punk rock phase or understand what it's like to go through those phases will relate to this better. But this is not for the kids that watched and liked 101 Dalmatians, which makes me wonder what the audience is for this one. But anyway, that that's kind of a, I don't know if it's a dislike as much as it is an observation, just kind of in between. So why don't you tell us you didn't like a lot. So I'll let you get going. This maybe could be something for me and not exactly what the film necessarily did. And this is the reason why, I try to stay away from trailers, but this film was marketed as being dark. I felt that this was going to be a dark Disney film, something that was supposed to show this villain as the protagonist, and we're supposed to see the world through her eyes, and we're supposed to just rebel in this villain just doing bad things. So I was surprised to see that this film was kind of shape-shifted between being light and being dark, and I felt that the tonal shifts were they were not comfortable for me. Like, in the beginning of the film, you you sympathize with Cruella. You see where she comes from. You see why she wants to do what she wants to do. You see that she hardly has nobody except for her friends who are part of the pickpocketing gang. And in the middle, you see where she's fully Cruella. And boom, like, she's just treating everybody, even her friends, like pieces of crap. And then later on, you see, like, hey, like, you guys are my friends. I remember you. And then you see her being sympathetic again. So... I felt that it was very conflicting, and I didn't know if the story really wanted to draw in or whether we should really feel sorry for Corella or really not like her. Uh, uh, the ending of the film kind of, like, throws throws another, like, wrinkle into that plan, and it felt kind of confusing to me. Also, I didn't like the narration. Many films with narration do not know how to use it well. It Pretty much sometimes the narration is used to just tell parts of the story which would be better suited to show to me instead of just telling to me straight out and they not only use Cruella's character as narration they also use Emma Thompson's but she only has it for a couple of scenes and then all of a sudden poof it's gone like magic <laughs> um, the soundtrack here I'll get into this I'm not saying that the songs that they use are bad I mean many of these songs I have on my Spotify playlist themselves but I just kind of didn't like how it felt very it felt like someone was just like, okay, let's use this overused movie song that's been used for many decades, and let's just put it right in here, you know? Because, hey, everybody knows this song. Like, they even play they play Car Wash. 
They played um, Please Allow Me to Introduce Myself. They played that. Then they played, um, I know they played, I think they played Heartbreaker up in there a little bit. Like, it was just all these songs that you know have been played in other movies before, and they put them in there. And sometimes they didn't jive well with the story. And also they're interrupting when characters are speaking. Like, there's one pivotal scene between Emma Thompson and Emma Stone where they're talking. And the whole time I'm hearing, like, perhaps. Perhaps I'm hearing like this song in the background and I'm trying to listen to them talk and I'm not able to hear the dialogue because the music's right there and it's kind of like distracting. So I just wish that the soundtrack, they kind of should have leaned in more into a score and had those songs sprinkled in every now and again. But it's like every scene, there was a new song that was ready to queue up right again. And I love my needle drops, but they got to be better implemented than that. Uh, also, the third act of this film is frustrating yeah i just i'm not in it's going to lead into spoiler territory so i'm not spoiling anything but i want people to recognize pay attention to the first two acts of the film then when you get to the third act all that is thrown out of the window they seem to go in a way where they want to give you this great like blinding twist and it's like oh wow what a shocker but once you get the twist it's not like something you can predict it but when you see it, it's like, oh, they're grasping at straws here to try to bring away some urgency. Like, it felt like they were not able to really write their way out of the writer's block they got. So the third act just depends on a lot of parlor tricks, a lot of uh, confusing little um, plot details that get hammered right in. It, it doesn't really work. I also don't like, even though I love Emma Thompson in this role, I feel that for Corella's as a film for it to work showing this villain why do we need another villain that Corella is fighting against if Corella is the villain it almost takes away from her being a villain and she has to fight a villain that is more stronger and more vicious than her i, I kind of wish that there is a place for emma thompson in this film but maybe not as the titular villain that she's fighting against. And i will i will say this Cruella is not the villain, and that is the difference in the story. And I, I don't okay. think that's necessarily a spoiler either, because I, I mean, it's all about like how do we get to this point. But that's what that's what I mean by it's a reimagining for people. Like she's never to me a villain in this movie, and I have that in my like in between like and dislike as well. Because while I enjoyed the take, people are going to go into this movie expecting a villain of Cruella Deville, and she's not. Like, if you look at how she acts in this film and the people that she acts a certain way toward, mm -hmm. really, it's it's understandable. That's where I came in with, like, there's some revenge things going on. But, like, she's not a straight-up villain in this movie in the way that she is in the series. It's a different person. And so, yes, I totally understand why you're saying what you're saying about how it's all it's kind of a you're it's a shock to your system when you there's another villain that's clearly the villain and yet this is supposed to be a villain origin story about a person who's not actually a villain yeah and and, and for me you know i can understand where you're coming from with that because i think this is a film where it's not trying to make corella the ultimate villain i can see that but it there's the middle passage of the film it's just her just being straight on corella and she's like treating everybody around her like trash like even her friends like paul hauser and um what's the other guy's name because he was recently in the earth is it joel fry joel fry name? yeah he was in, yeah, in the earth it, there's a scene where they're both like they're they're trying to come to her be like hey what's going on like we haven't seen you and she just pretty much just dismisses them like they're nothing she says like hey i'm corella i'm this and that and like you guys don't mean nothing to me like i could do this on my own i was like well wow well okay and then later on they they end up going like hey guys you know uh, i'm sorry all about that and I'm wondering also as well, 
is the way her hairstyle is her hairstyle affecting the way she acts because or is she trying to play this role in the real world and then behind closed doors she's Cruella because they'll, they'll show her with the red hair and everything and she's this enterprising fashion designer and she wants to get into the graces of the Baroness and then when she puts on the black and white hair then she turns into Cruella so I'm kind of wondering is the hairstyle when she puts on this when she has this hair is this who she really is is she acting this way because of the hair and then she has the reverse right back into being this like sweet timid fashion designer like I didn't understand it. it felt like um almost like it's her is her instability like tied into the way her hair is or is it tied into her just having like these differing emotional states that she goes through it was it never kind of really explained to me um also there's one scene I like to point out there's a scene where Corella is tied up in the chair and there's fire all around her and then they start playing Smile. And I know we talked earlier about the um, the Joker comparisons. This is not a comparison to Joker. You Actually, you and our friend Don Shanahan actually talked some sense into me about walking that back, you know, and everything. But I could not help but think about, okay, so Smile and then the way it was using Joker and then seeing how it's using this scene where she's surrounded by fire. And it's supposed to be a dramatic scene, but then once again, the music comes in and it kind of ruins the element of the scene. I I don't know. And also, this film doesn't feel like a big blockbuster to me. Like, honestly, I think this film would have played better if it was like a Disney Plus original film. Like, something that could bring people to the streaming service. Like, hey guys, we got Emma Stone, we got Emma Thompson, and we got Corella. We got this reimagining of this famous of this famous um, antagonist from 101 Dalmatians. Hey, see it on Disney Plus coming May 28th. But I see that this is also being released in theaters, and I don't see this doing big numbers. Like, I see this if Maybe enough teenagers and enough young adults will come out to see this. Then, hey, you're you're talking about something, but I don't see this as being like a big bot bus as it's being marketed. It almost seems to me more like a streaming service film rather than a theater film. But that's just me. I would agree 100% with that. I think that it definitely is not a great theater film for me. I I wouldn't. I'd be upset if I went to see it in a theater. Probably, I'd be like, oh man, I wasted two plus hours for this. Like it's not as good as I would want it to be for that and you're right and that's the main reason is it doesn't have anywhere near like a blockbuster feel to it at all like other disney reimaginings have they've had some flair and yeah it has style but that style the way in which it shows up in this movie just is perfectly fine at home as well it doesn't need a big screen other reason would be it's very dark there's only a few splashes of color and they're very you know symbolic and specific to cruella here and there but like mostly it is it's in London. <laughs> it understandably, it's drab, it's gray, it's rainy, it's dark, and it's not visually appealing. Frankly, is is what I'm getting at. It's just kind of bull, you know. And it, and there are some really bad background landscape CGI. I don't understand why Disney is like not good at CGI. I don't understand this. They, you are the like epitome, the tippy tip of these companies with this money. Like, how are you not able to do CGI in a visually appealing and, you know, very clean cut way. There are some backgrounds that look just stupid. There's a moment where Cruella moves and falls in this movie. And my daughter even was just like, what the frick? Did she just teleport? Like, it looks like she teleports across the screen. And that's not at all what's supposed to happen, people. 
Like, I mean, it is, it's, it's egregiously bad. Okay. Like, you're just like, come on, um, clean that up. There are also multiple scenes where the dogs, so the dog, there are some, what looks to me like there's times where there's dogs that are real, but there are times where there are dogs that are mm-hmm. not. The Dalmatians, particularly your CGI, they look god awful at times. Mm-mm. Like some like very, what looks like meant for 3D type effects where they come at you and they just, they look ridiculous. Um, and they look silly and they don't look like they fit with the rest of the movie. Because it's not a spectacle. It's not a CGI spectacle. And so they feel very out of place. And that's another big kind of issue I had with it was just in general, it, it is not – I don't think this film narrowed down its its setting and its tone in a real solid way because it is portrayed as if it's in a very realistic 1970s London. Like this place exists and could exist, Right. But Cruella feels like a cartoon character in a normal world. Like, she doesn't feel like she should actually exist here because th- this is not how the world would work <laughs> around you. So you're, like, transporting a cartoon into a re- what you're trying to sell on as a realistic world. And it, and it just feels like a mishmash there. It doesn't, it doesn't quite gel for me in a way that I really, really would want it to. Um, and then... It, the way that she gets her name is not a big deal for me, but people have compared it to the way that Han Solo discovered his name in uh, Star Wars, Ro- not a Rogue One, Star Wars, uh, whatever, a solo story or whatever it's called. Um, and I didn't mind how Han Solo got his name, but it was really cheesy and corny. This is even more cheesy and corny, and I was just like, I did roll my eyes, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie. Um, so, I mean, I don't love this film. It's not going to be a rewatchable for me in a movie that I think people are going to go back to and want to see over and over. It just doesn't have a through line of fun that you associate with Disney movies that can. So it's not it's not super dark to the point where it's, you know, worth watching over and over because it's unique and interesting, but it's also not fun. So it's in that in between space where it's just kind of. It just didn't work completely. Um, it's not a bomb for me, but it didn't. It's nothing special either. Yeah, I'm I'm feeling the same way. I mean, there's promising aspects, and you can tell that it, the both of the Emmas are giving it their all. They're they're doing wherever they can to make this work. It's just that the supporting parts around them just don't. They're not able to rise up to the level that they're at, and. I'm already seeing people saying that this is Disney's best live action film, and I could not more than disagree. If you want a great Disney live action film, check out Cinderella. <laughs> yeah, I can't disagree with that. I will say post credit scene of this one, because everything we have to do in this day and age has to lead to a sequel. <laughs> they do tease something that is a direct tie-in to the original film universe of 101 Dalmatians in a way, and in the books or whatever, in a way that I thought was pretty fun. It was pretty sweet. I was like, oh, that's where they're – there we go. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I'd be shocked if this does well enough to warrant any further exploration, to be honest. So the question, are you feeling it? This is going to be available in theaters, as you mentioned, and on Disney Plus with premiere access for a one-time additional fee of $29.99. 
So we're going back to the Mulan plan where you pay 30 bucks, you get access to it. You can watch it as many times as you want, but you don't own it. And I don't know when it will actually be released for the masses on Disney+. Plus. But all of this is going to take place on May 28th. It'll be available and out there. What do you say, Coles? I'm not feeling it. And it's very sad that Disney is going to put this behind that roadblock that is the premier access. I can understand that a family of four, $30 won't seem a lot. But this is not a, thir- a film that I would pay $30 for. This is even a film that I would pay $15 for to see as a movie ticket. Uh, it's, it's much If it was a film that was strictly released to Disney+, and it's a streaming service, it's available to everybody, all the consumers, then I would be down to give it a recommendation. I, 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 could, I see the promise enough to, do, to give it that favor, but since it's going to be behind the Premier Access $30 roadblock, and it's going to be released in theaters. I have to give this a not feeling it. Uh, hey, ooh. Uh, <laughs> I, I see you want to get. I see you want to come to where I'm at. I see you want to come over that fence. <laughs> okay, listen. I don't think people should go to the theaters, and I don't think it's worth thirty dollars. <laughs> but I like it, and I got to see it for free, and I am glad because I enjoyed it. So. I think when it comes to Disney Plus and people are already paying for it, then you should absolutely check it out. I think rushing to see it is pointless, and there's no reason for it. And in in a world where we have way more entertainment options available to us in all facets than we could ever consume, then no. I would say I'm not feeling it for that aspect. I would say it's a very strong weighted out until it's available to you for essentially what you're already paying for your subscription fees. And then check it out. I say check it out. But I say check it out with that caveat of understanding it's not a family film. That's part of why I don't recommend it. Because if it's $30 and you're you're paying that and it's because you have two or three kids and your whole family is going to enjoy it, then it's a different scenario. Like what's weird is they didn't do it for Soul, which is the one that probably would have made the money and made yeah. sense, right? I mean I'm glad – but like that's the one, that's the kind of movie that your kids are going to get, you know, you bring everybody in, bring a couple families together, whatever. Not the case with this one. Not the case. So there you have it, folks. Um, let us know what you think about it once you do check it out. All right. We went a long time. So here's what I'm going to do, Coles. I'm going to say let's save the streaming picks for the next episode because our next episode is actually going to be out at the end of this week um, on a film that is coming out called Spirit Untamed. And since we talked so much about Cruella, I don't think we're going to talk as much about Spirit Untamed. And so let's um, put the streaming picks in the bag, and we will give you guys some of those later this week on the episode that's coming out. I believe it'll be on a Friday night, but it'll definitely be there for your weekend. With that being said, everybody, one last plug. We are getting super close to our necessary metric for us to be eligible for Rotten Tomatoes uh, critic recognition and it's going to take 200 ratings on apple podcasts if you haven't heard me say this before if you have and you've already done one feel free to tune turn us off now but if you haven't hear me out apple podcast is the only platform that rotten tomatoes will consider the only way doesn't matter that we are both members of an official film critic society doesn't matter that we do great download numbers and we have an awesome community in the feeling film facebook group and, you know, social media and, and people are engaged in talking about film. None of that matters to them. What matters to them is a stupid number about Apple Podcasts. They need 200 ratings, not words, not reviews, just ratings. 
So if you can go on Apple Podcasts, go to iTunes, the program on a computer, or go to Apple Podcasts in an app, in a device that you own, an Apple app. You have to have an Apple iPad or an Apple iPhone for, to do this, unfortunately. Give us a rating of five, and you're done. We're at, we're at like 180. We need 20 more, and we'll be there. We can apply. We can get in there. We can have our unique perspectives available for folks on Rotten Tomatoes to discover us and bring more people into our communities and to talk about movies. So thank you for hearing us out. Thank you for those who have done this over the last month or so that we've been talking about it. We appreciate it. That is it for us on this episode. If you have a, any enjoyment of this movie and you go see it, we want to know. We want to know if you if you do see it, come tell us in the Feel and Film Facebook discussion group. Did you like it? Did you not like it? We will talk about it with you um, for sure. You can also hit us up on Twitter at Feel and Film. We will be back soon, like I mentioned. And until then, keep feeling film. Hey, everyone. Thanks again for listening. If you enjoyed the show, we'd love to hear from you. You can leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you're listening. These help increase visibility for the show and grow our community of listeners like you. We also invite you to connect with us further by joining our ever-growing Facebook discussion group. A link to that is in the show notes, or you can just search on Facebook and find us that way. If you'd like to continue the conversation with me, you can follow the show on Twitter at Film, or connect with me in the Facebook group. I'm very active in both places, and I'd love to chat. And if you want to connect with me, you can find me at Shoeless Patch on both Facebook and Twitter. But be sure to tag me in any comments so that I'll be notified and not miss you. Once again, thank you for listening. We'll be back soon. Until then, stay positive. And keep feeling film.